Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated solo edition for you. Gonna sit down and record it now. Just want to thank my sponsors real quick. Uh, I want to thank Matthews Bose. Uh, Matthews has outdone themselves with this new VXR. This thing is an absolute shooter. Um, I, I am so happy with this bow. Uh, just have it shooting great groups. Uh, it, it's got a great hold to it. It's a longer axle-to-axle -axle bow, or they make two different sizes. I have the 31.5. They also make a 29.5. And, and I like the way Dan Bacar describes it. He says... If you like the feel of the Vertex, go with the longer one. If you like the feel of the Triax, go with the shorter one. It's so funny, me and Dan, you know, both successful bow hunters, and we have different preferences in what we like. So he went with the shorter one, I went with the longer one, and we're both loving it. Uh, yeah, but it's just a, a real forgiving bow. It, it's got a great aim, great hold to it. Uh, it, it it's one of the quietest bows I've ever shot. So it's it's just a shooter. So if you're in the market for a new bow, you know what I suggest is just shooting these different brands and and seeing which one fits you and which one you like. And uh, I just guarantee if you go try out that Matthews, you're gonna like it. Uh, I know I love it. They're building a heck of a bow, and I really appreciate the support here on the podcast. So thanks to Matthews over there at Eastman's. We've got uh, Beyond the Grids. Um, that's our internet TV show. They're starting to release some of my my older episodes that I put on. So there's one on there from 2016 they just released. So you can find that on YouTube, Eastman's Beyond the Grid. Um, yeah, it was a good episode. One of my first ones, I think it was my second episode I put together. So, of course, I'm a little self-critical, but uh, it, it sure has been fun learning and improving and, and trying to capture one of the toughest things out there, like a... A hunt on public ground for for a trophy six point bull or whatever it is trophy four point buck. Um, with bow and arrow, it's one of the toughest challenges out there. I mean, I think our elk uh, success rates uh, with a bow run at about six percent, and I think that's cow and bull. I, I'd have to check my statistics. Don't don't quote me on it, but and I think like uh, on on a a bull elk, it's like three or four percent in Montana, and then try to do that with a bow and and video and capture the whole thing. So it's just really tough, and I'm extremely proud to put it together. So make sure to check out those Beyond the Grids. Check out Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel. I just set my DVR, and then I catch all the new episodes. And um, yeah, check out everything else we got going on over there at Eastman's, the magazine EBJ, which is Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, the Eastman's Hunting Journal. I, I just really take a, a lot of pride working for Eastman's and then being able to to write for him, being able to video for him. You know, again, I'm just I'm just an average guy that fell in love with bow hunting and and um, yeah, able to build my trust with this company and and uh, them them they give me a lot of lead and let me just take it and go for it. So I'm really excited to see what I can put out this season. But let's get right into this solo episode. So I just wanted to sit down. I mean, I really want to talk over bear season and my bear adventure for sure. Um, man, bow hunting is just so fulfilling to me. Uh, it's it's just a, amazing. Just gives me gives me a lot of purpose. It it's wild to to work so hard towards something. I mean, I was just thinking this the other day. You know, we're, I work hard at all facets of my life, whether that's work or my family or um, whether you know. 
running, which is a part of bow hunting, really. It's, I, I feel like it's training for bow hunting. But, you know, I work hard at being good at all these facets and being a good person and being able to be proud of who I am and how I handle situations and, and things of that nature. But this bow hunting, you know, I mean, it's something now where, you know, this, this podcast creates an income for me, which is great. You know, it, it gives me the freedom to go on more adventures and take more time to do what I love to do. And that's the overall goal for me in life is to bow hunt more. Um, but, but, you know, really to work so hard at something, it's just, it's personal satisfaction. It It's, um, you know, it's, it's nice to have respect from your peers, but you know, that's not, that's not the reason I do it or what drives me. Um, you know, financially, it's nice to have good checks and have a decent bank account, but you know, hunting, hunting hasn't done that for my whole life. I mean, hunting, you, you, you take it and look and see what I've spent and what I've, what I've sacrificed. I, I'm sure I'm at a net loss as far as hunting. It's just something I really enjoy that I like to spend money on. You know, and there are a lot of, I, I'm just, I'm so thankful that, that an average carpenter, you know, that lives in Ennis, Montana can travel around to all these different states and um, have these different tags and see these different adventures. Like that's a, I mean, that's freedom right there. Uh, that's uh, everything I could hope for, but it just, it just drives me. It's just something that I think about all the time that I'm always trying to improve on and I guess it's when you find something that's so difficult, like I have backcountry bow hunting, like you guys have. I mean, it's the ultimate challenge, but it just requires complete dedication. You constantly have to be thinking about it and working on it. And if you don't, you know, backcountry bow hunting will expose your weaknesses. You know, if you didn't practice enough throughout the year, or uh, even if you did practice enough, it's really tough to to keep your cool and execute a clean shot. You know, you make that if you don't put in the work and really work on your execution and be ready for season and day in day out, you know, when, when the time comes to execute that shot on a trophy critter, man, I mean, it's anybody's guess where that arrow's going to go. You know, if you, if you slack on your fitness and you get into season, your body just can't recover the day in day out. You know, when I'm pushing like I like to in the mountains, it's a grind. It's more of a grind than any marathon, ultra marathon. It's just it's just bigger than one day. I mean, it's a, a mountaineering expedition. You're carrying a 40, 50-pound pack everywhere you go, moving camp, and, and really, you know, bending my own limits. It's amazing what we're all capable of. I'm no superhero by any stretch. You know, I'm just a carpenter average guy, but... It's amazing when you continue to push your limits and find new levels, what you can really do. And even what I can really do, I could probably double that if I really had to. You know, I know on some of these packouts where I'm I'm going, you know, and I can I can recall, you know, a bunch of different hunts where the the packout where I'm I'm just hunting day on day on day and I'm grinding and I'm pushing hard and I'm covering country. I mean, I remember one hunt in Nevada where it was a solo hunt first time I had ever been in the mountain range and parked in the parking lot and there was a hundred rigs there just bow hunters looking to go everywhere and I remember saying well this is where he chose you get 10 days worth of food in your pack or nine days whatever it was and um 
Time to put some miles in between you and these guys and travel miles. But, I mean, just basins and just, I mean, get so far away from your trail. It's like, I, geez, it's going to take me two days to walk back, three days to walk back. And I remember getting in this section of the range, and I, and I was turning up bucks, but I was just really looking for a good, mature, heavy one. And I remember keep seeing guys, and that just meant keep moving, you know, and there's definitely different access points, but yeah, I just keep covering trails and finally got back to this section 10 miles without water. So you had to pack all your water in there. And so that separated me from, from the people. There weren't any people in there and then started to really figure it out and find the bucks. And wouldn't you know, at day, I don't know, seven, eight, something like that, shot a really nice, heavy, mature buck. And, um, then I, I mean, I, I had to climb the buck back up. I shot him fairly low, so climb him back up to camp and then get him all the way back to the truck. And I, I remember trying to figure something else out. It was like, man, can I hike him off the mountain and, and then hitchhike back to the truck? Or, uh, you know, can I, can I leave him here and then I'll hike back with no weight back to the truck and then I'll come back into this spot from another access from the bottom and pack him out? It's warm during those early season hunts too, so you know you got to get those things cooled down and get them off the mountain. So the pressure was on, but I packed throughout the night that night, back to camp, and then packed up camp, and then started packing with the headlamp. Ended up sleeping off the edge of the trail. Next day, I mean, all day long, but twenty plus plus miles over three eleven thousand foot peaks or something crazy. You know, all with a full mule deer in my camp on my back to make it out. I remember I blew up my legs so bad. You know, it's it's like it's like these things that you don't even think is possible when you think about them in the large scale. But what it is is really just putting one foot in front of the other. And it, you know, a lot of this comes down to mental toughness. But mental toughness isn't given. It's not something you can just think about. Mental toughness is all earned. It's earned through the physical through through causing yourself pain and um suffering i mean not pain and suffering but causing yourself uh you know i'd say like um strain like just um yeah i mean i mean being in pain feeling the burn and and us as humans you know we get bored with just running or you know stuff starts to hurt a little bit a little ache or a little pain there every step you know that kind of starts bugging us but it's continuing to just put one foot in front of the other, continuing to put forth the effort. And it's amazing what can be accomplished. And like I say, this this um, thing I found in backcountry bow hunting, it's there's a there's a learning curve, but there's just no limit to where I can get. I just continue to step it up another level. And I um you know I'm getting older too. Like I um uh, just turned forty this year, so like that's a milestone birthday. And I had you know, I'm still the same Brian Barney, like I was at 25 or whatever. In fact, I think I'm even tougher and even closer to my prime. I think the body adapts to the stress which I put on it and running these miles, climbing these mountains, doing this weight training, working construction, like all this stuff is just this active lifestyle I live where I don't have any aches and pains. My body really holds up well. And, um, why I think I'm in my prime is I've been homing, honing my mental toughness for so long and my shooting for so long. And, and then just my knowledge base around hunting and stalking, you know, I've dedicated my life to it. So, 
you know, I've got all this experience in, in all these different places and these different species. And that, that skill level translates to each and every hunt where, you know, I can come up with a plan and figure out, you know, find an animal which is a huge skill set is just being able to dissect units, being able to pick out vantage points, being able to dissect your way through country and being able to find mature animals. I mean, that's one of the toughest things to do. That's what creates those opportunities. And really to be a bow hunter, you know, I'm going to fail, you know, not a big secret. You're going to fail too. Failure is a prerequisite and you, you get better, you know, with your instincts and seizing opportunity when you get the chance but I, but I still fail. And, and it's learning from those failures as well. And those those failures, you know, they sharpen you and harden you. And they, they break your heart at times. You know, the animal, you do anything to harvest. And it's just so difficult. And he just has your number. But it's, you know, it it's honing all these skills. And there's just no limit to how good you can get. And like I say, it's just so fulfilling. It's, you know, it, to me... It's, it's not about the harvest of the animal. For a long time it was, and I was really driven. And and you guys have even heard me on this podcast setting these goals and these mature animals. And sure, that's the goal. That's what keeps me working hard. That's what excites me. That's the carrot out in front of my nose. But really what I want is adventure. Um, I just like being out there. I like enduring. I mean, this this latest hunt was so fun. I mean, um, bear season kind of snuck up on me. And in my country, it takes a while to heat up. And I, I've gone way early and every single day before. I mean, heck, I've had bear seasons. The The season's two months long. I've had bear seasons where I've hunted 54 days out of the 60 days or something. Because I can hunt evenings and weekends and um, you know, I can hunt after work. I just live in a good home valley. And I like to travel for bears too. The western side of the state was just money this year. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to make it over there, but I sure wanted to. And... Um, Hold on one second here, guys. Oh, sorry about that. Too much coffee. I know I like to say push through the pain, but that was getting ridiculous. But bear season, yeah. Western side of the state was really good this year. Um, I like these big snow years. These big snow years, they they tend to hold the bears at a certain elevation. And, and we just got, I think we hit our 120% of snowpack, or I, I can't remember exactly. I'd have to look it up. But we had a good snowpack, but what really kept the snow in the mountains was we just haven't had any heat. We haven't had any 70-degree days or anything. Um, heck, it's hardly even 50 every day and then freezing at night, and so it just keeps that snow from melting, so that snow stays deep. And as we get later and later into spring, those, those uh, lower elevations, they start to green up. And uh, they start to green up, those bears start to wake up, and they start to get on them. And so, you know, it happens a little bit later over here in my valley, and I'm just so dialed on it. I mean, it's been, see, I, I harvested my first my first bear with my bow in 2007, and I had been after him for like three years, I think. So, uh, 2004, so yeah, I mean, we're talking 15, 16 years of, of hunting black bears, spotting stock. Uh, you know, I, I paid my dues. I've learned a lot along the way. And, um, so I just know, you know, when the conditions start to look right, when to put my energy into it. Oh, and, and, and two, a big part of this. So I hunted a couple of my early spots, put in a couple days, saw a handful of bears, but really looking for a big next level bear. Like, uh, 
I've been fortunate. I've had good bear seasons, and I always say I'm looking for a good five and a half foot boar. You know, I've always shot boars, and it's like a good mature one. I'm gonna go after it. I need more opportunities than the rifle guy. I mean, I'm I'm bow hunting these things. I have to get within range. Of, uh, you know, and, and bears may be a little nearsighted. They catch movement really well. Uh, they catch noise really well, and then their nose is just off the charts. Seven times more than a bloodhound. I know I've said that before, but this is wild. Like I always, I always do this comparison. I probably said it on the podcast. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure I repeat myself. I try to have original thoughts, but sometimes I go back to the same ones. But I I love to use that analogy of a of a, a bloodhound, and and police and investigators use bloodhounds to track down missing children and things, and missing children that are in cars. So this means that. That somebody's driving in a car and the scent that goes out the car as they're driving, a bloodhound can track that for miles where that car drove. Just from the scent coming out the the, the vents. It's so wild. Like I can't well, – we have a hard time fathoming it as, as humans, you know, I only smell a bad fart or something. That's about all. We just smell changes – but, but I think bears just tell time with their noses. And for a bloodhound to be able to track down a scent coming out of a car, and then a bear smells seven times what a bloodhound does. So they've got the best nose in the game. So one little swirl of wind and, and your your stock is done, especially when you got to get so close to them. So as a bow hunter, I just need more opportunities. And so I've always said if it's a decent bear that I'm happy with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go shoot it. But I've had a good run on these things. And my goal as a bow hunter is to progress, to have this, this, this ability to stay calm under pressure, to execute my shot, to make good game plans and good stocks, seize opportunities, seize moments. And the better I get at this, like the bigger animal I can set my sights on and set my goal target animal. Why? Because I like the adventure and I like the journey. It's more time. It's a, it's a, uh, more difficult endeavor um so so it's just gonna require it's gonna keep me hungry i've been watching that michael jordan documentary oh my god is that thing good you know that's just when i grew up is in the the era of michael jordan you know and and that guy is so competitive and loves to win so much but you see throughout this documentary that he's got to keep himself pumped up like he'll you know a uh, uh, coach didn't say hi to him in a restaurant and he took offense to that, and that that made him want to charge the court even more and prove that coach wrong. Like he had to constantly find these little motivations, and you know he had to keep himself hungry. And and I think in in bow hunting, I have to keep myself hungry. I I've got to keep myself, you know, keep setting these really lofty high goals that I have to dedicate to and work hard at, and. And part of that is like setting my sights on bigger animals and, and not that I have to, you know, have a big animal to make me happy or anything. Like I say, I just got to keep myself hungry. It's been years at this game of training and dedicating my life to this thing. Like, uh, I got to keep myself motivated, keep myself on those trails, running more miles than I ever have, keep myself out on the range, shooting more arrows, working with my bow more than I ever have. I've got to, you know, keep those hours on my map research and dissecting units and making hunt plans and how I'm going to go about it. I've got to keep my, my physical body strong. Um, I had a, I had a setback 
You know, I'm not, I'm not in, invincible. I've been working construction a lot of years, and we're all just given what we're given genetics. Some people are big, some people are small. Um, you know, uh, some people have bad knees, some some people have bad backs. Like we're all just given what we're given genetically, and then we have to work at it. And and you guys have heard me talk about my back being my weakness, like like working construction all these years. You know, I had a young man's attitude and picking up way too heavy. And, um, you know, I've, I've acquired a couple injuries through that, through wrestling. And um, so it, you know, it, it has, I've talked about it. And then I've talked about my yoga, my stretching, what I do. And, and now, I mean, I'm two times a day on my stretching. I've talked about weight training and the importance of it, a lifting lower back. I mean, I remember getting my back so blown up every time I'd kill an animal because I'd be bent over butchering. And I just thought, this has got to change. I can make myself stronger. Like I say, the body adapts to the stress w- at which I put on it. So if I'm motivated and every single day I'm working towards being a better, stronger person, my body will adapt to that and it's going to reward me. And um, But I had a setback here lately. I hadn't hurt my back. I hadn't hurt it bad in five years or so. Like maybe a one or a two or um, you know, a little irritation in my neck or something like that. But... Um, Boy, I just cruise through it, and you know, a couple days I'd be feeling better or whatever. No big deal. Work through it, run through it. Um, but I got it good this spring. Um, I don't know if it was deadlifting my drift boat with a bunch of water in the front of it, picking it up to put it on the hitch, or in in the river. This one day, I didn't wear my felt; I wore my rubber. And my feet slipped on that slick river bottom. And I'm just used to wading wherever and being really comfortable and confident wherever I'm going. But all of a sudden, without this felt, my feet started to shoot out from under me. And I had to, it took every muscle in my body not to, not to fall in the river. Caught myself. But that night, I had this back pain, my lower back. It's like the, the lowest one back there. It's kind of like in my hips or lower back every time I bend over. And yeah, I mean, I, I had to take some days off running. I had to take a week off running seven days or something um man and you know i don't yeah i don't you know i don't like a lot of ibuprofen or i try to stay away from all that stuff as much as i can um but yeah i you know we've got a few emergency painkillers around here i was definitely into a couple of those just to to manage well and the whole deal is i just can't rest it you know and so even though i'm hurt and i take seven days off running because it really it was the pounding like i couldn't I couldn't even bounce on my back. It was so out. It was trying to lock up on me and things in my lower back, but I still had to work with it, had to work construction. You know, we're trying to put in footings and, um, of course, all the worst stuff, pouring sidewalks, all the, the bent over things that you shouldn't be doing. Like, like that's the work that I had. And, you know, I just, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a leader as far as Barney construction and, you know, um, trying to, to, to catch up or trying to keep caught up, you know, with all this virus craziness that's going on or whatever so yeah just trying to you know make an honest living so yeah out there pouring concrete ripping off roofs and doing everything I shouldn't do but it it um yeah seven days started to heal up started to feel better a little irritation or whatever and during those seven days I mean it gives you perspective like I can't I couldn't even go hunt one of my good spots for bears because I didn't have enough endurance to make it down there and across and back up. I couldn't, I, I literally could not do the miles if I had to. And so I had no choice, but just work on 
recovery and getting it better. And then it gives you perspective on that. You know, if you don't, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything, you know, and we're all going to have setbacks and injuries and things we need to overcome. Like, like that's just the way of the world. But, um, so I, I had no, I knew the human body will heal itself and I've hurt my back enough times. Like I just know that I can get back to a hundred percent. Once I get to a hundred percent, I have to work harder than ever to keep this back strong. As I get older, like this is going to be the thing that holds me back or gives me limitations where all of a sudden I can't do the miles or the weight or, um, I can't live the lifestyle I want. And I, I just don't at this point limitations, um, It'd be tough for me mentally. So I, I just, I love going hard, like uh, going hard and putting all my effort and really exhausting myself and seeing what the, the human body and mind are capable of. Like, that's what I'm into, endurance. I love it. And um, so that puts it in perspective for you when you have an injury and you don't feel 100% and you're kind of battling through your day. It's like, man, take take this serious, you know, Um if I, you know, if I don't have my back, I, you know, I can't bow hunt like the way I want to bow hunt. And, um, I can't, you know, just puts it in perspective how important my health is. And so, um, yeah, so basically got it recovered after seven days, started running on it again, feeling good. And, and really on the scale of one to 10, I probably heard it like a six, really irritating, but I mean, I was still able to work through it. And if you're able to work through it, you know, it, it's not that bad, but like I say, it gave me that perspective. And then back running on it for three, four days, I think I had my back. I mean, it was about 97%, hardly feeling any pain in it. And um, so I'm starting to run. I went for a longer run that day, you know, just trying to test it a little bit. And um, I did a, a longer run. Well, I, I actually came through the, the canyon um, coming back, I had to grab some things in Bozeman up there for construction and I was coming back. I didn't have to make it back to work. It was the evening and, um, God, the hatch down there was just crazy. So, uh, I figured I grabbed my fly rod and my dog and we ran way up the Canyon up there. We did like, um, yeah, we did 10 miles that day, ran way up the Canyon to where nobody was fishing and there was all these caddis coming off and able to catch a couple, uh, nice fish off, off dry flies, like, kind of one of the first big dry fly hatches of the season. So really cool. Uh, ran up there. Like I say, I like to, to combo my sports of fishing and running. Like sometimes it, you know, it's just, uh, easy to run up that Canyon and do five miles up and fish a little bit and then run five miles down. But anyways, I came home that night same thing, my back again, lower back, slipped it again, like a setback, just too much too soon. Maybe. I mean, it was starting to feel pretty good. And then, and then it gives you more perspective. It's like, man, if I can't trail run, like, how am I going to get my exercise? You know, like the pounding or, you know, your, your mind just starts to play tricks on you. And same thing. I have no doubt, get my back better and get it stronger than ever. It's just, this is going to have to be something that I absolutely focus on for the rest of my life. And if I don't, this will be my weak point. I mean, for me, it's not about how long I live. It's, it's, it's how long I can enjoy, you know, and an enjoyable life, like, uh, how, how long I can be fit and be running. And, you know, I, I want to be running well into my fifties, sixties, seventies. I mean, when I, when I can't go hard anymore, that'll be the end of my days. But, um, for me, that's just, uh, what makes me who I am. So, you know, you start questioning yourself mentally and it's just like, well, just got to focus on your recovery. So, 
got that back better again. Again, had to take, you know, I thought it was going to be three days off running and it ended up being five or six days off. And and then two, that's like holding up my bear season. I'm injured again. I can't make big goes. I can glass around a little bit and keep tabs on things and see how it's going. And, you know, if I saw the one, I, I'm sure I'd try to hobble out there and try to go get them. Just there's no quitting me. But it, it is all of a sudden I've got limitations coming into one of my favorite seasons, bear season. But finally got that thing better. Um, And yeah, just dove into bear season. Like it was good enough. It was like, man, maybe I'll just give myself a few more days before I really get into running and I'll just uh, be hiking with my backpack, lower impact. And, um, you know, it's amazing what everything you do uses your back muscles. I mean, hiking, uh, hiking uh, on a trail, hiking off trail, climbing uphill, catching yourself. Like it's amazing. Everything uses your back, but I was able to get it better. And now like that's just my focus. So I know I'm going off on a tangent here, guys, about my back when I'm trying to talk about bear season. But like we all have our weaknesses and, and there's so many different facets that goes into being a good backcountry hunter. In mind for me, one of the biggest things, taking care of my back right now, being able to have my back have this endurance to withstand and, and hold up during, you know, carrying a pack day after day or making these heavy pack outs. I mean, I just I just packed a bear out you know, miles. I had my good buddy Dan with me, which, which made it pretty easy, but yeah, I definitely tested my back here. It's back. Um, you know, I think again, I've got it back to that 97, 98%, but I've been testing it. I did a good ruck workout yesterday, 85 pounds, um, did like six miles and a bunch of elevation up and down, pretty much like taking a whole mule deer and hiking it up the mountain and then back down the mountain packed my bear out and then been hunting hard hunting hard with my buddy Dan so I got multiple days of just climbing those mountains and it's it's always tough man those those mountains are unrelenting like it's I I, I spent my whole life in the mountains and it's still like you spend any time away from the mountains like you almost forget the pain like it's um it's a grind up there to climb that elevation you know it's not the miles that gets me or like hiking a trail or, or hiking in somewhere, getting back a bunch of miles, but that elevation, those big climbs, you know, where you're doing two, three, four thousand feet a day, just keep walking up and just sweating like crazy. You just, you're working really hard doing it, but yeah, I've got, I've got my back better. And, um, so now it's just that focus. It's like every day I need to be doing weight training on my back. Um, twice a day I need to be stretching, working on my flexibility and just taking care of this thing. So I'm pumped, but that, you know, that's, that's something that, that's something for me that I've got to continue to work on and, um, and challenge myself, you know, a lot of this, you know, I, I really like all this, this, um, I think all this cross training is good. Body weight training is good, but just building that strength, that flexibility, building that endurance. I mean, trail running is great for my back. You know, I talked about it pounding or being slipping my back but running dirt and sand trails all the time and then running elevation up and down just gets my legs in such good shape and my back um you know it's got to control me going up and down and balance points and things it's all about core so it's trying to strengthen that core um but it you know we all have something we can work on and uh that's just mine but Finally got that back better, and it's like, man, I am going bear hunting. And so, yeah, just started bear hunting and looking around, and 
started to see him come out at some elevations. Um, my really good buddy, Dan Heverin, he came down. Love hunting with Dan. We team up on a bunch of these hunts, apply together on hunts. He's just a great hunting partner, great human being, great friend, too. And um, so, yeah, he came down. He knows what I'm looking for, looking for a giant bear this year. And, and um, Dan's killed a lot of good bears, and he's a good bow hunter. But, you know, he's he's looking for that opportunity again. He knows that he needs opportunity. He needs stocks. He needs chances. So he's... You know, he's where I've been at, where I'm just looking for a decent five and a half footer and going to send it. So we're glassing around and, um, gosh, I end up picking up this, this great big chocolate. And, um, you know, through these years of hunting bears, you know, part of being able to find a giant bear is being able to judge bears. And really the mediums are the tough ones to judge. But, um, I saw this bear and I instantly knew he was a good one. Just no doubt about it big old boar, big old chocolate. And uh, he was way back up into this drainage and just feeding around on grass. You could just see him feeding around, feeding around. He's kind of where all the elk are there. There's some elk in the feature and things. And, you know, bow hunting, it's tough to call from miles away. I mean, probably spotted him, I don't know, four miles away, five miles away, something like that. And it's just tough to say what's going to happen by the time you get there. Is he going to move? Is he going to put away? But being a bow hunter... I'm just always looking to give myself a chance. If there's a chance I can harvest that bear, I'm going to go over there and see if I can relocate him or go see if I can get him. And so me and Dan are chatting back and forth. And Dan's such a good hunting buddy. He knows I've been looking for a bear like that for a while. And um, So, he, you know, I'm up on the stock and making a plan of where I'm going to go and how I'm going to do it. So I'm asking Dan, I'm like, well, what are you going to do? And so he was going to sit on the vantage point, look for another opportunity on a bear and kind of hemmed and hawed and, and then I said, dude, you should just come with me. Let's go have an adventure. You know, it's uh, I love just sharing adventures with buddies or whatever. And Dan didn't hesitate a bit. He's like, yep, okay. And so grabbed his stuff. And I should have probably vi- had him video the thing, but it was um, we were just on a mission. And it was a rainy day, pouring down rain. Half the time have your rain jacket on, half the time don't. Uh, mountains would, would cloud in and, and then clear and be able to see and... So we just started going for it, just started pushing for where that bear was at in that drainage. And then, you know, you can make the best laid plans, but when you're glassing five miles away, it's tough to say what the wind's going to do over there, the conditions you're going to face, and then also where you're going to be able to grab a vantage point to relocate this bear, to turn him up again. And it's tough to go stock from five miles away and just show up in the meadow where that bear was at and just, I'm here, where are you at? You're just on the same feature, and you're really, at that point, you're still hunting where you knew a bear was. And, and some features are laid out that way, where that's the only approach you have, is to get on the same hillside as him and work into him and try to relocate him. But you're always trying to relocate with a bow. You you see him a ways off, whatever your quarry is. I mean, sometimes you see him close, but most of the time, there's a, there are ways off. You know, when you're trying to figure out how you can pick them up again or relocate them again. And, and also, when you're still hunting through after a bear or something, there's no guarantee guarantee he's even out in the meadow again. You know, he might have put away in the timber and taken a nap, and, and now you're sneaking through the meadow, and he's watching you from the edge of the timber or picking up your scent or whatever the case is. And so you almost have to, like, get over there and, and relocate him and then make your play. You're, you're almost better to hold up a little bit before you get there or get on the opposing face or try to get a good vantage point of where that bear was. 
And this goes for any animal, by the way. So, I mean, I, I know I'm talking about this bear hunt. So thrilling, so exciting. Like, this is just what's on the forefront of my mind. But don't kid yourself. I am thinking about muleys and elk in the fall season like crazy. I'm ready for adventure. But really, all of this spot and stalking, it applies to bears. It also applies to all other quarry out there, you know. So relocating them and picking back up and seeing them within striking distance when you can get to them while they're still out in the feature. So the way this feature laid out, we were able to sneak up the opposing side and just kind of work up this benchy stuff and just keep kind of getting looks over across on these these kind of sparsely open parks. That's it's like a it was like a big south facer or so so like a big south facer with open sage and grass grass and and um and, and then also sporadic trees and little timber patches and slides coming down and rocks and things of that nature. So it's real sparsely open, secluded, just like a bear likes, like way up this canyon. And um, I'm able to work up the opposing side and kind of glass across, and we're picking out elk and picking up deer. It's raining and trying to keep tabs on the wind. What the hell it's doing? It's, it's We figured it'd be coming down that canyon, down the hillside. You know, it's afternoon, evening. And the mountain's cooling down. We thought it'd be coming down the mountain. So, you know, our stock and original play was to come at them that way. And it's it's so wild how you just kind of adapt to the conditions you're given. You know, once you get up there, you kind of see, okay, I'll be able to see this thing from the opposing side. I don't need to get up on the same side. Or actually halfway through the stock, I relocated the bear again. And, you know, he had moved off this open knob we were going to try to glass him up from. And now he's way to the right again. And so we're just adapting our stock to the conditions we're given to try to find this bear again. And we work up this drainage. We're seeing deer and elk and just slowly still hunting up it. And um, we're getting up there and don't see that bear. There's like um, one more corner to the draw up there where it's still good meadows. Me and Dan both agreed, said, man, that, that, you know, we would have seen him if he was out. Like, let's keep going and look up that, that draw. And so we get up there and we start climbing up and now we're climbing up our opposing side and, and I look back, and there he is. I see the chocolate, and he's in the meadow, and, and he's like 200 yards away or so. And he's just feeding right there, and I look at him, and man, he's a good bear. So I told Dan, I said, oh, I see him right there. And so we sneak just down the hill a little bit, and then I put a tree in between me and the bear, and we've got a good wind coming pretty much from the bear to us. Like the bear's coming up, the wind's coming up the hill, and we've actually made it above the bear at this point on the opposing side. And so... I just stick a tree in between us and him and motor and um, get there, knock an arrow, peek around the bush, and he's gone. I, I know this thing didn't win me. I had a good win the whole time moving ants right in my face. I know he didn't see me. I put a tree in between me and him, and the branches were so thick, there's no way. Like, he was just feeding there. It's like, man, did he just put away put away for a nap or something right at the wrong time. I mean, it took me literally two minutes to sneak within bow range of this thing. I mean, to close that 200 yards with a giant chocolate right there, it happened in a hurry and it's raining and the ground's really quiet too. It's all saturated. A little bit of a breeze to break up my noise. So man, like uh, I just thought it was a dead bear. So I sneak right to that spot and he's gone. I go look around the corner and I'm looking in the timber and now I'm in bow range of where he should be. I just can't find him. He's not there. So I figured he keep he was working left to right when I saw him. I figured he went right through the trees, and now he's in the meadow on the other side to the right. So I start moving to the right and kind of getting lower on the hill where I can get another vantage point to relocate this thing. 
And I start working to my right, nothing, 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 nothing. Kind of look back, back where he was on the meadow, and all of a sudden I catch his back. And he had worked all the way to the top of the ridge. I He had moved quite a few yards, like, just in that, that little bit of time it took me to get there. But he's just wandering around feeding. So now he's up on the ridge, and I can just see his back. And I go, Dan, there he is right there. And me and Dan hunt together a lot. A lot of times the... The guy that's not shooting will range find or video or, um, you know, whatever he can help. And and sometimes just having two eyes, somebody picks him up before the other guy picks him up. Or, you know, he's got a good idea about the stock or the conditions or, you know, we just bounce ideas off each other and kind of hunt together for this common goal. And then we're both in on the adventure, too. And so I see him at the top of the ridge. And so I climb, I keep the wind right, I stay on the right side get up there. He's just feeding. And, uh, I've got him. He's 45 yards right there. And, um, I, I have him broadside 45 yards. I draw back, start settling my pin and it's just not the right angle. It's like trying to force it. You know, he's kind of quartering towards me. And then now all of a sudden he's facing me and he's just feeding. So I have to let down without making any noise. And and me and Dan are just standing there in the sage. He's standing, you know, right behind me about five yards, just frozen. And I'm standing there frozen, arrow knocked, ready to shoot this bear. Great big boar I've been looking for. He proceeds to just feed at us and around and just never quite will give me the right angle. It's so funny. These bears are always moving. And um, five minutes goes by, you know, seem like 20 and he's just feeding, and then he picks up his head, and you can see him. <laughs> you can see this breath, like this um, this fog coming out of his nose as he's trying to breathe and sniff with his head up, and it's like, oh, no. Oh, no, he's going to win me. He's going to, you know, he's like breathing, and he's looking around. He's looking right at us. He's 45 yards looking at us, you know, but we just stand motionless right there still, and I've just stalked enough bears. I know what I can get away with and what I can't. So he just sat there, just frozen. And he puts his head down and he goes back to feeding. And then he turns and he gives me that that broadside look. And um, draw back and uh, really good execution. Like I remember the shot. And this is this is where I'm not perfect. And I have to share like places that I can improve on and things that, that went on that I can improve on. But, you know, my execution was clutch. I I drew back. I mean, he's 45 yards. He's a chip shot, but you know, I didn't rush it. I didn't, I, I didn't try to make it happen. I tried to pick the exact spot I wanted to hit and, you know, pulled the pin out of their grenade. You know, it was like, I, I have that, you guys know that I love to shoot like that tension style and, and, and I'll get that into that in my shooting. I've been working a, a lot with my different releases and things, but pull the pin out of the grenade is the most important step for me. So, um, gave me that good broadside and uh I put it on him I mean um arrow was coming in perfect and bear kind of bolted and it hit him and I, I thought it hit him a hair back I go Dan did I hit him a hair back and Dan goes no you hit him perfect man I mean that that thing flew right in there you got him and uh bear runs over the top and um God, it's just pouring down rain now at this point it's a it's a goddamn rainstorm rain and sleet and coming down so I mean we give this bear maybe 15 minutes and it's like man I gotta go find that arrow and find blood like we're not gonna have much of a blood trail on this thing I hope I got him good you know and me and Dan talk about the shot and talk about the angle or whatever and so we come over the hill start looking for the arrow or whatever and I jump that bear 
that bear was he went and bedded 70 yards away from where I shot him at so he was hurt bad and gonna die right there and that's where you go oh man should I left him here and came back the next day and it's like man I don't have any blood and so we just sat and chatted over it I just we just jumped him so like, like he's hurt pretty bad, he bedded. Like you're just analyzing the situation and what went on and what's going to be the best move, you know. And so we converse, and with the rain, we just thought we had him there bedded. He had a, bu- a bunch of blood on his side when he ran out um, when I jumped him. So, like, I think he's going to bleed out. I think maybe I caught a lung or caught the liver or something, but he's going to bleed out and die. He was bedded right there. We give him 20 more minutes, go to where he was bedded, and start start looking there and find some blood, but it's not a lot of blood. I shot a big expandable through him, and I did that on purpose for these bears because their hide really soaks up blood. And also, bears aren't as big as, like, a elk or, like, a, you know, you, you get pass-throughs on bears, and so you want to run the biggest broadhead you can through them, open up the biggest hole, really get them bleeding. And um, so, yeah, the rain's just washing away this blood, so we go to the last place we saw them, and then we kind of come over the top, and i just looking to pick up blood, pick up an arrow, pick up anything, and I'm kind of glassing and looking for where this bear is. After we jumped him the first time, we ran back, got on a knob and glassed, and we never saw him come through this meadow. So he either beat us through it or he didn't come through it. We're kind of getting over there, and then Dan sees an elk on the next ridge, and Dan goes, man, I don't know, you know, if that, if that bear made it that far, you'd think he'd spook that elk if he was running full bore, you know. And I said, yeah, you're right. So we only went another 50, 60 yards. I mean, the bears hurt bad. But then I I spot them. And me and Dan had split up. Dan took the high road and was going high, glassing down in. And then I kind of went right where I thought the bear went and then um, was in there. And like I say, it's pouring down rain. You know, I can come back the next day and look for this bear, and he should be within, you know, a few hundred yards. But sometimes they get up through the night, they keep moving. I'm not going to have any blood and I'm just going to have to grid search the hill. And anytime you, I go to grid searching, my percentages of finding that animal go way down. Like like blood trail is the blood trail leads to the animal, and the blood trail also tells a story. It tells a story of how bad that bear's hurt. Um, you know, uh, uh, tells the story of which direction he went, which direction to look. It, there's so many things there that it tells you. But I I kind of take the line where I thought this bear went. Dan went high. And all of a sudden, I catch him there bedded. And he's hurt there. Um, he's like 40 yards away from me, and I've got this window in the trees where I can shoot. And to to move in on this bear and get any closer, I've just got to expose myself so much. And the bear's alive. His head's up. At one point, he laid down. His head was down. I know he's I know he's going to die right there, so I'm trying to think if I should back out, try to get another arrow in him. And so I sit there, and I ponder it, and it's like I can't move because if I try to get closer, he's going to see me. I'm going to bump him again. I got to I gotta try to put an arrow through that window in the trees. And I, I'd love to tell you that I put a perfect arrow through that window of the trees, but it was like trying to force a shot, you know, it was like trying to get it through a window that's too tight. Basically, I had to hold my pin that was going to hit the bear low and in the trees where I thought the bear was to have my 20 yard pin go through that window of the tree. So my arrow would go through the tree without hitting it and then also hit the bear. It's just such a high degree of difficulty. And, you know, these are places where I can improve. I did a lot right on this bear, this stock, this season. But you don't you don't get these moments back. You get your instincts and your reactions at the time, and then 
you know, you, you have to dissect them and see what you did and where you can improve. And I tried to, you know, I, I tried to, um, thread the needle through that little hole in the tree in there and hit that bear. And I hit a limb and I hit low missed the bear. I mean, it's like 45 yards. I could kill him so easy. I just like this window that I have in the position I'm in, I'm stuck. And, um, hit the hit low bear skirts out the side. And, and luckily Dan was up top and Dan watched that bear get up and walk out. And, um, so Dan put a final arrow in that bear and killed him right there, finished the deal for us. So it was definitely, it's as much Dan's bear as it is mine, really. Uh, you know, it's a team effort. He was with me every inch of the way. And then, you know, he's just a good hunter. And, you know, he was he was like, man, I, I hope you're not upset I hit your bear. And, I, you know, I'm sure I could have snuck up, stuck another arrow in that bear and would have finished him off. But, you know, at the time where you got a bear and you're not sure what's going down, like you just you just want to end it. You just want that bear down, you know, whatever the case is. And so um, Dan did it. He's a great buddy executed a great shot killed that bear as that bear snuck out from me after I missed him in that that window of the trees but I mean there there's no negative feelings or there's no being down it was like me and Dan accomplished the impossible and got this bear and and my first shot would have killed him um it actually like after dissecting it I'm I'm not sure what I've thought about this a lot like so we're pumped I mean um you know knuckle bumping and um you know you just reach the top of the mountain with your good buddy right by your side you shared the whole intense encounter on this giant bear you know and i know my first shot would have killed him but yeah it, it um it it ended up i was shooting at that bear completely broadside the arrow ended up quartering up through him pretty hard and so i think that bear rolled right at my shot um had to have I I know I put that pin right where I wanted it and I pulled the pin out of that grenade I mean I pulled on that bow like I know the one thing on that bear is I executed a perfect shot like like that was a dead bear I just um I've got clarity on that but again you're trying to be honest with yourself like you can't have these moments back and it doesn't do any good to buffalo yourself and and into thinking you made a perfect shot when you duffed your shot and shot it right you know Excuse me. It's not Corona, I swear. Um, so, you know, I, I'm always trying to be honest with myself as well. And you have to live with who you are. Like bow hunting, you get these moments and sometimes you screw up and sometimes you don't. But you have to live with who you are, the decisions you make. And you you get better over the years. You you get better at knowing not to thread the needle like I did through the tree on the wounded bear. But I, you, you get better at, at really waiting and waiting for this bear to turn. And then you get better at really executing a good shot. And at this point in my life, like I, you know, when I get a chance at a, at a trophy critter, like I've got confidence in my skills. I've done it enough times. I know how to place that arrow right where I want it at all different ranges. And I've got an extreme amount of confidence. And that's exactly what I did on that bear. I mean, I put it right behind the shoulder, pulled the pin out of the grenade, watched my arrow sail and take perfect flight. And I don't know if that bear went to roll or something, and I just got him a hair back. And like I say, it would have killed him. I could have backed out of there. I could have given him an hour. I could have came back the next day. He would have been dead. It's almost better to finish that bear and have no suffering, you know, really. And to, I mean, to get Dan, I mean, Dan got to shoot at that bear too. Like, uh, you have wounded walking out of the spot, but 
you know, like he got to share. Not only did he get to have the stock and share in my excitement and my shot on the bear, but then he got to get in on the action too. You know, it, and uh, so so we'll always share that bear as you know our bear that we shot together or whatever. But um, man, what a deal! So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just so fortunate. I mean, I just can't believe us average guys, us blue collar guys, get chances at at adventure like that, and then you know to build. I've got such a good circle of friends. I mean, these guys that I have on the podcast, I build real relationships with these hunters. It, it's just, we're all cut from the same cloth and we're like-minded people and they're all good people, like good, trustworthy people. And people, you know, I put out information in this podcast and I talk about units and states and hunts and, and improving your tactics. Guys reach out to me and offer up information. Hey, check out this hunt. This is a really cool hunt or, um, you know, there was a guy that was struggling with bear hunting and he'd made four trips out and a couple thousand miles and, and, uh, he was just lost. And, and, um, I texted back and forth. He's listened to all the podcasts and he couldn't find him early. And so, you know, I said, you know, here you go. Here's a pin. Go to the spot. I saw a jet black one there last night. Now he missed the jet black. It didn't come together for him. You know, he's hunting, hunting with a, um, he was hunting with a rifle for his first bear. He's trying to kill his first bear. And this guy is just hooked on bear hunting. He keeps driving out from North Dakota to Montana, putting in all this effort, blistering his feet, hiking miles. And when you don't know how to bear hunt, it's like a black magic, you know. You just can't quite figure it out or put your finger on it or what it looks like. And so, you know, let me see if I can screw up another saying, you know, you 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 give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime, you know? So it's like one of those deals where the guy's willing to put forth the effort. It's like, I'm not giving him a gift wrap bear. He's got to earn it too. It's like way back in there in this backcountry spot I have. So I dropped him a pin where that bear was. He went in, ended up missing the bear, but, um, you know, it's, it's helping guys out, you know, and, and guys reach out all the time to me and, and, um, want to help me out or return the favor. And uh, I just have such a great circle of friends and have built such a great life for myself as just this average guy that has to work hard, but I get to play hard and go chase these adventures. And I just can't thank my buddy Dan enough. I mean, my buddy Dan has been with me on so many great adventures. And, and likewise, you know, we adventure together and I've, I've seen him in his highest highs and I've seen him in his lowest lows, you know. And so, um, but it, it's just really cool when you have a good friend that's pulling for your success as much as you are. And you're pulling for his success as, as much as he is. Like you, you want to create things for your buddy. You want things to happen right. And that's that's Dan, man. I mean, believe me, Dan wants a, a great big chocolate bear as much as the next guy, you know. And he works extremely hard at it. His days are valuable. His time is valuable. And he's down. And now all of a sudden, you know, I'm stalking this bear, you know. But you just, as a partnership, you have to figure out and share encounters and want the best for your buddy. And he knew I was after a big bear and, um, the year before we got him a, a a bunch of stocks and opportunities on bears and you know there's Dan wanted me to kill that bear Dan stalked and trying to help me and wanted me you know went the whole way every inch of the way all that effort to help me kill that thing and um he's just a really good friend and so yeah I just want to return the favor um guy was just awesome we had a lightning storm come in so just um so cool when you you know I'm I love taking a good picture and, and taking a good picture. You know, like I say, I've, I've killed a lot of good bears, but it's been 10 years since I've killed a really big one. Now I've killed some really good, decent pumpkin headed boars that I'm really proud of. 
but a really big bear, like the specimen of the species, you know, when you walk up to a big bull or a, a big buck and it's like this, this thing that you, this thing that you've almost put on a pedestal, you know, that's so difficult that you want so bad. I mean, the last big bear I killed, I think, or great big bear, like over six foot was like 2011. I think, I don't got to get my dates right. It might've been 13, but, but it's been a while. And uh, to walk up on a bear like this with just this giant pumpkin head, just a fat all the way around his head and just a giant plus six foot body filled out all the way, just prime specimen, you know, big mature black bear boar in his prime. I couldn't be more proud. And I, I know, you know, like I say, there's some things in there I can improve on. For sure, I can, you know, like I told you guys before, there's never any limit to how good you can get or how proficient you can get. And I know I executed a good shot on that bear, and things happen too. You don't have control over every circumstance. And I'm just glad I had Dan there and and uh, chairing the encounter, and um, you know, good. The, glad the shot was good enough. I wish it would have just been double lung. You know, it it would have added to the experience, but um, you know, it just is what it is. Uh, Really happy to harvest a nice bear and harvest him with my bow and arrow during general rifle season. That is not easy to do. It's one of the toughest challenges. I mean, I've often said this bear hunting is one of the toughest hunts in the lower 48 and um, able to get it right and accomplish it on that one. So, yeah, it was really cool just appreciating the bear. And, um, boy, you kill a big one. You you can't take a bad photo. It's just every angle. You know, it's like you don't got to work too hard at it for sure. He's just a great big black bear. So we took care of him that night, lightning storm, rainstorm in the dark with our headlamps. We had, we'd also seen seen quite a few grizzly this year, and we had just seen a sow with three cubs and had to come back through that spot, you know, with, with a dead bear or whatever. But uh, she, we didn't run into her. We, we actually saw her the next day, too. Or we saw, uh, I saw a sow with two cubs a few miles away. And then I ended up finding that sow with three cubs again in the same spot a couple days later or whatever. But definitely some grizz bears in and through there. They're getting thick. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, we worked that thing in the rain and then um, packed them out. I had a long pack out in the dark and just sharing a, a fun experience or a, an adventure with a buddy. It's just so fulfilling. It's so fun. So I just want to return the favor to Dan so we just keep hunting and fun to hunt hard and just be making plays on bears so yeah next next night or a couple nights later we spot a big chocolate good chocolate like um five and a half foot plus good filled out body and he's just feeding in and out of the trees so we make a go for him and this one this one isn't as many miles but it's a big climb it's like climbing everest i don't know what we did in vertical feet that day but it was a bunch and uh it was just straight up the mountain too but yeah, we played it right, played the wind and got up there and nice chocolate and nice board, nice big head on him. And, um, gosh, we tried to make it happen with Dan and he was close. We got right up in that, that bear's grill, like up into bow range, had a good wind at that point, started sneaking in, you know, I say a good wind, but it wasn't much of wind. It was like two miles an hour, three miles an hour. It didn't make any noise. And so it didn't really cover sound or anything. Excuse me. It didn't really cover sound or anything. Um, so it had to just keep super quiet. But every time 
like the sage would rub against you or a bush would rub against you, a bear would pick up his head. So I actually held up and uh, grabbed some photos and video. I held up at, I think I held up at about 120 yards or so. And then Dan snuck in and man, he just took his time and he kept that bear in the open so he could keep an eye on it. So every time that bear's head was down, he was stalking. And then if the bear picked up his head, he'd freeze. Man, he just couldn't get away with anything. He was in the sage, and every time he'd move like that, you just like just a little piece of sage would rustle or something, and that bear would pick up his head. And then eventually, that bear sat down up there and looked his way. And um, Dan got inside a bow range there, but just wasn't able to to put an arrow into that that bear. But fun close encounter, anyways. Uh, another one chalked up. So, yeah, I'm going to give it heck here for the next month and really try to return the favor to Dan. I'd, I'd love to see him arrow a bear. And so I'll keep my eyes out on the hillside and um, yeah, just get training for season. I am so pumped for fall. I I haven't drawn a lot of tags yet, but I drew that New Mexico late season mule deer hunt. I'm super pumped on. And then you know, just a lot of over-the-counter and general season things. And then can't wait. Nevada results come out Friday. And then waiting for the results for Colorado and Wyoming. And results came out in Utah. I did not draw there. So, you know, tags and hunts are just getting tougher and tougher to come by. But, man, I'm fortunate. I got a, a full season planned. And, and then, man, I just want to be the, the best I've ever been. Um, that goes from... From training hard and sharpening all those those skill sets we've been talking about, boy, I have a little success. It just almost drives me more. It um, such a high to be able to accomplish your goals and you know arrow a big bear like that. It's just um, so pumped, but it it just it makes me want to work harder and um, achieve more and and uh, be deadly walking around this fall. So um, been doing a ton of work with my bow. So you know. Archery is a major pillar of the success is being able to close in the clutch. I really feel like I executed a good shot there. Um, the one in the trees I tried to force, and I I see I wouldn't have taken that shot on a bear under normal circumstances, but he was wounded, and I was trying to get another arrow in him, so I tried to force it, and I don't think that's the right move. I think I should have not tried to take that shot, backed out, came around a different way, or tried to put the tree in between me and him, tried to just get a different angle on him. It's just in that moment, you're just stuck trying to make your best decision. And I thought I could, you know, thread the needle with that arrow in there, but I didn't. Um, So that's something I definitely could have done better. Um, But other than that, the stock, the approach, the relocating, all those instincts, I mean, just a a predator out in the woods feeling really confident, just looking for an opportunity, looking to get close with a bow and arrow. I just love that, man. So, yeah, I've been working, you know, as far as shooting. um, I shoot good when I work with my bow a bunch, when I develop those back muscles and um, shoot a bunch of arrows per day, every single day. Like, that's when I'm at my best. And so... Um, it, it's just not doing the bare minimum, doing a dozen arrows or 20 arrows a day, you know, and making sure that I'm getting 40, 50, hundred arrows in getting those workouts in shooting different yardages, shooting from my knees, uh, shooting from awkward positions. Um, I told you guys lately I've been shooting, um, I hunt with that thumb release and hunt really good and shoot it back tension style. Um, but I can always sharpen that. And so you know, just pulling out my back tension release and, and doing these little things that I talk about is like like going through and doing them for myself. Blind bailing is, is such a 
um, a huge asset, being able to feel your shot, feel when you make a good shot, feel when you make good execution, doing that again, doing my, my aiming drills. If I can aim right through the middle of something, it's so dead. And, and so working on my aiming. And then also that back tension release, it helps relax the aim as you really have to push and pull on your shot. And it creates these really good habits of just really pulling and pushing at the target, body being in line. So yeah, just making sure I'm working with my releases, honing my skills, and then um, doing high heart rate shots where I'm sprinting back from the target and shooting or doing a bunch of push-ups where I can you know, hardly get my bow back again or, um, and it's shaky when I get back because that's what your aim looks like on an animal. It's shaky at first. You have to be able to calm down that aim or wait for it to settle and then execute a good shot. (coughs) Excuse me. So, so just trying to work on all those little things in my shooting, making sure my weapon is just absolutely fine tuned. Um, you know, once I get them tuned in, they're pretty well good to go, but I always like to check them and make sure that paper tune's staying in, uh, especially like, you know, hunt through all that rain and wet strings and stuff. Just good to check the equipment, make sure every, sure I'm not missing anything on, on my bow. You know, I can't have any malfunctions in equipment. Um, got to be able to trust that thing. So just working with it day in, day out, doing all those little things, shooting drills and things. Um, need to go shoot some 3D targets that MAF is putting on those events. I may go shoot that one in Idaho or something. Or, um, But shoot, shooting 3D really helps me. And uh, shooting with buddies, putting pressure on, like all those little things. Um, just things I need to do. Make sure I'm ready for season. Make sure I'm the best I can be. Fitness. I'm just... Um, I spend a lot of time, I'm doing that, that fishing podcast. I don't know if you guys have listened to it. It, you know, it's kind of humble to start a new venture. I'm, I'm so proud that this Eastman's Elevated has gone and connected with guys and that, um, I get to find how similar guys are that, uh, they love that same passion. Like I do, you know, backcountry bow hunting and working at it. Well, my other passion is fly fishing. I love getting out fly fishing and, and I live just around some great rivers. I started that fly fishing podcast. Eastman's Flycast, I've been putting out those, but it's humbling, you know, you're trying to build an audience again, and uh, connect with guys, and, you know, fishing the, 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 the bar for entry, you know, is lower than, than hunting, you know, it, you don't have to be in the, the best physical shape, or train for it, you know, it's, you know, fishing is more about being out there, and, and grinding, and spending your time on the water, and learning, but, but my point is, is that I'm limited on time, I got family, I got you know, full-time job in construction. I've got this podcast. Uh, I've got my training. Um, and then I'm also trying to have as much fun in life as I can. And so I'm trying to get out fishing in the evening. So, you know, sometimes it can be tough to fit everything in, but, um, yeah, I've kind of, I'm kind of just trying to find the balance with everything, you know, where I'm, I'm not just spending all my time running and I'm not spending any time with my family or any time on the river or anything like that. Like that's not the, you know, it's enjoyable. I love training and I love trail running and I love getting a run in each and every day, but I like making the time for it. And I'm just not going to beat myself up if I get an evening after work and I end up down on the river with my waders on fishing a dry fly hatch, you know, that enjoyment of life, living that active lifestyle. You know, I, I hold myself accountable and I want to get, you know, I have weekly totals that I want to hit and, and daily runs I want to get. And, um, I mean, the truth is I do beat myself up a little bit if I'm if I'm out having fun, but it, it's trying to find that right balance of being able to get out fishing but still get my training in and, and really, 
I mean, it's being efficient with my time, being efficient with, with my mornings, being efficient with my evenings, you know, not sitting down on the couch, just continuing to get things done and, and be active and do things. Um, so yeah, really finding that balance and the, the runs, if I miss a day, because I caught a good dry fly hatch or because I've got an afternoon that I can get on the river. It's not that big a deal. The next day I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll double my mileage. I'll get in a longer run. I'll get in an hour and a half. And so I'm just finding this balance in my life of trying to keep everything, you know, keep spending that quality time with my family, keep out on the river, keep training for bow hunting, making sure I'm ready, getting my arrows in every day. Like there, there's all these things, but if you truly love it, you know, you can't help but work hard at it. Like I just, uh, I think about it every day, as I know you guys do too. I think about it every day. I think of the enjoyment it gives me. I love the challenge of it. And it's just trying to get myself ready for those moments, you know. And like I say, with my back, I can't slack off. I've got to be, I've got to be doing that weight training each and every day. I got to be doing those trail runs, you know, each and every day. I got to put in the work. I can't just, I can't just call it in because I've done it before. I can't just rest on my laurels. Oh, I, I've harvested some big mule deer. I'll do that this year. No, no, bud. You got to put in the work. You know, there are no shortcuts in this game, and especially not when you're working class like us guys. You know, there are definitely no shortcuts. You know, we're not, we've got to battle it out with everybody else there, and, and everything is hard-earned. It's always, you get out there, it's always tougher than you expect, and you just know that this backcountry bow hunting is going to throw so many challenges your way, whether it's weather, lack of game, or a bunch of hunting pressure, or or whatever the case. You just know that you're going to get challenges. I mean, um, I always say one of, one of my biggest assets is persistence. Just being out there. Just being persis- persistent, continuing to put forth the effort and adapting too. like, um, you know, if you're not finding any animals, you've got to change. You got to be able to adapt to the conditions you're given. Like our biggest asset as humans, as hunters, you know, it isn't, it isn't our physique or, you know, you, you think of a, a mountain lion that can kill something with its tooth and claws. We're not as sneaky as a mountain lion, you know? So our advantage as humans is, is our advantage to, to think you know, or our ability to think, our, our, our ability to, to theorize, our ability to adapt, you know, that, that's our true advantage as humans. That's why we've survived as a species. Being able to outthink, outwit these animals, you know, come up with a different game plan, think outside the box. And it's such a, such a creative way to think when you're in the mountains, when you can, you know, it, it isn't just like reading a textbook. It's like every situation is different. In every situation, you get a chance to react to and think about and come up with an idea that may work or may not. But that's our true advantage, you know, is is being able to think, being able to, to locate those critters. If I'm not finding them, where can I move to? Where can I look at? Where's another vantage point? Okay, I've seen them in a spot that looks like this. Transpose that information. What what other what other slice of country looks similar as this place where I'm finding these deer, same facing hillside or same secluded basin or, you know, just putting together those pieces of the puzzle to, to really figure it out because... There is great hunting left there on public lands. There is great f- hunting for huge trophies on public lands. It's just about solving the puzzle, man. 
It's about figuring it out. It's about uh, uh, using the information that's given to you and just keep dialing it in and dialing it in till you can locate those bulls consistently or those bucks consistently. Give yourself a chance. Get yourself a stock. And then when you're on that stock, you know, you 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 stock so many animals like that. You know, you you've learned your lessons the hard way. You know the right the the right moves to make and when to go all in and um when it's worth it and when it's not. And I, I always say stocking it's knowing what you can get away with and what you can't and never stalking recklessly, never putting yourself in a place where that animal can catch you, um, being able to stay frozen and keep to the shadows and there's so much that goes into it. But but when you've been doing it and you've gained that experience, it comes second nature. Being able to create those those opportunities, you know, through your, your time researching and then through your time scouting and then time in the mountains and uh, adapting to the conditions you're giving. Now you're able to locate these animals and get stocks. And now you're relying upon your skill set of stocking, try to get in close. And man, uh, creating opportunities is 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 a, a tough hurdle too. Is being able to create those opportunities to bend the limbs back to try to keep calm and make your shot. But it's tough to earn those shots. And a lot of times when you get that shot, you you just want to get a shot at that animal. You've been working so hard and he's in the brush and he's not a broadside and he's this and he's that. And you're just trying to get this, trying to get this shot on this animal. And he's finally, there he is broadside and you pull back and you go now. And the arrow goes nowhere close. You know, those are the mistakes you make in the early years. And really for the first four or five years, could be longer than that. Like it's tough to keep your calm in those moments. Those are the most adrenaline filled. I mean, to me on my time on this planet earth, I have not found anything more exciting, more thrilling. Maybe it's cause I'm, I, I don't know. I, I'm in love with nature and I, it's these moments where you get close to these trophy bucks or these trophy bulls. Uh, I don't know, I don't know how I can say it without being too much of a hippie but it's like um it's so special it's like these these moments in nature that aren't guaranteed that you have to earn but then all of a sudden you're there and you're 40 yards from a big mule deer buck that's just feeding on this grass it's like it's such a, a special moment that that you've created through hard work and things and and those those moments are fleeting you just don't get a lot of them and so you try to enjoy them while you get them but then you try to harness it. You try to you try to figure out how to control your emotions, control yourself to keep calm, to look for that window, to execute that perfect shot because nothing feels better and that's the overall goal. So man, it just it comes down to right now, like once we get to season and once we get to these mega adventure hunts, you know, and, and my season's starting to fill up, um, I'm really hoping for an early season mule deer tag is the one I want. I've got a couple over the counters that I can kind of go early on, but uh, I really need one of these early season mule deer hunts to come through. So really excited to see the results there. But yeah, I mean, um, pretty soon we're going to be on these big adventure hunts, these big elk hunts, these big deer hunts that we planned all year for. We've drawn the units. We paid a bunch of money. We've taken time off work, time away from our family. Before we know it, we're going to be on these hunts, and you know, it's going to come down to how well we've prepared. I mean, it'll come down to our instincts and our ability to adapt and our ability to hunt hard and put ourselves into critters, but 
you can't improve your skill set. Once you're there, you have the skill set that you've worked all year for or that you've worked your lifetime for. That's the skill set you have. You can't improve your shooting on a hunt. In fact, your shooting may even go downhill because you might not shoot your bow. You know, I try to shoot as much as I can or have a field point in to practice shot, make sure my bow's on, but I'm definitely not shooting 100 arrows a day. So when I, you know, I can't improve my shooting, my time to improve my shooting is right now. My time to work on my shooting. I've got time right now. That's a long time from now till August or until September. You know, I've, I've got two, three months to really hone my skill, to really see how good I can get at my shooting, how proficient I can be. You know, I've got this two, three months where, you know, this is the time to get my body in shape. This is the time to get my legs in ripping shape for climbing mountains so I can just cover miles and miles and I can do it day after day after day so I can put forth the effort that's necessary to be able to give myself a chance at filling this tag. You know, right now is the time where I can spend hours on, on Onyx maps. You know, I can be making a hunt plan, uh, marking vantage points. I can be marking parking spots. I can be learning these units inside and out so I know them like the back of my hand. I can be planning scouting trips for this this off season for the tags that I draw to get down and put my boots to the unit. You know, you look at it on maps and do all this research, but until you put your eyes on it and and proof it, you know that's what really gives you. I don't know if I'm going to use this right, but proof of concept. Proof of concept is like coming up with all these ideas on your map and all these theories of where you're going to hunt, how you're going to look at it, how you're going to do it. But proof in concept is getting down there and actually looking at it. So that scouting is imperative. The, the hard work now is imperative. Like this is the time we improve our skill set. So we come into season just in absolute ripping shape, uh, confident in our weapon, just ready to fill our tag, ready to fill our tag with a, uh, you know, with a, with a mature buck or a mature bull or whatever the case is. So man, I mean, we're fortunate. We have passion in our life. We have direction. Yeah. We, we have to balance a lot being a blue collar, you know, average working class and, and have this love for bow hunting. We have to balance everything, but it's about being a good human right now, you know, putting in your dues, Hiking with family yesterday, we're going floating today, you know, and I love spending quality time with my family. That's one of my goals. But I know come fall, um, my free days are going to be few and far between because I'll be chasing my dreams. And and my family understands and supports that. But part of it is is being a good human right now. You know, getting all my work done and making sure that I can I can take off enough time in hunting season to have enough, you know, time is so key. I know I said that for years. I was a weekend warrior and so married to my to my job and and um, which I, I still am. I have to make a living, but gosh, I remember um, I just couldn't get any days off. I was just weekend warrior, maybe a Friday or a Monday, but just so much responsibility. And I remember thinking, gosh, I could I could kill really good critters if I just had the time. I just all I got. You know, oh, two days for the weekend, maybe three days, but by the time you figure travel time, it's a day and a half, two days, and you're burning so much money and so much gas to get out there just to try to give yourself a chance. Fortunate now. I built a good business. You know, I've got money to pay my bills, and so, you know, I can set myself up where I can take this time and go on these adventure hunts and have a week, have seven days off, have ten, ten days off, and Sure, I get limited on time too and have responsibilities and I, I'm still trying to manage everything, but 
you know, that's my goal coming into season. As much time as I can enjoying what I love to do. So, man, that's where I'm at. I just, I just don't. I enjoy it too much to phone it in. I enjoy it too much to not put in the work and not give it my full effort. And uh, I know I'm capable of more. I've dedicated my life to this bow hunting, but I can't wait to see where I go. I can't wait to see what adventures I go on. Like these adventures, man, they they make me feel like I'm living life. Like us as um, human beings, our spirit has adventure in it. Like uh, we had, we're adventurers. Like we like to roam. We like to explore. It, it's in our DNA. It's in our nature. And so to explore these new places and try to figure them out and, and um, I also just like how engaged I am in it. You know, when I'm on one of these hunts, it's all I'm thinking about. It's on the forefront of my mind. It's just like how I can kill a buck, how I can keep myself safe, where I'm going to camp at, what I have to eat. Like you're, you're just living in this present moment and you're living in this present moment that I absolutely love. And sure, it can be a grind at times and a lot of hard work and a lot of effort. But when I get out of the mountains, it's the only thing I can think about is being back in the mountains. It's cool, man. I mean, to be able to have passion in our lives and something that drives us, something that drives us to be better people, doesn't get any better than that. We found it. So, all right. Super pumped, you guys. Um, Man, it was a fun bear hunt. Um, Fun to share it with you guys. Thanks, thanks for all the encouragement, kind words on the social media. I sure appreciate all the the tags and um, support of the podcast, the downloads. You know, I'm just so humbled that this podcast works, and it, it gives me an opportunity to to do what I love to do and uh, really put focus on it and share it with you guys. So I absolutely love it, man. Really appreciate the support. Got this solo recorded, so it's Sunday. I better I better make a day out of it. I gotta get out and do something here. Definitely got some yard work done yesterday, some of that necessary stuff. But yeah, I think I get out for a float today with the family. Go soak in some sunshine here. So um again, thanks you guys. I really appreciate it. And uh I'll check in with you later this week.